1: Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt, as well as on Facebook Live, facebook.com backslash livenowdt.com. That is Facebook.com backslash live now DT. You can see these videos after they go live. They will be put into watch parties. They'll also be on Facebook.com backslash live now DT in the video section, and they'll be added to our official Facebook page, which is Facebook.com backslash wake call DT or just at wake up call DT on Facebook. You'll find it there. Wake up call with Dan Tortora. The videos will be loaded there as well. And they'll go online. Some of them will go to, well, they're online already, but they'll go onto the website, I should say on wakeupcalldt.com. And then some of them make it over to YouTube as well. YouTube.com backslash wakeupcalldt. So many ways to get involved with the show and we hope that you do so. So that's all inside of the Charney's Men's Wear and Tuxedo Studios. 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. We're always proud to work with Charney's. Find what fits you at Charney's. From head to toe, they'll dress you up and dress you down, whether you're looking to just relax and get some, you know, informal wear. You just want to go out. You want to get some graphic tees. You want to to go out and get some Syracuse stuff and some sports apparel and whatnot, something for a date, something to hang out with the guys, some jeans, some whatever. Then you can go and get that. Then the other side of it is your tuxes, your suits, your sport coats, your pants, your your hats, your shoes, your ties, your suspenders, all of that's there. And your winter wear is there. All of your jackets, all different shapes and sizes, regular, big and tall for everything, including the jackets. You get your gloves, you get your scarves, and you're ready and on your way for a day like today. So no matter what it is or what you're looking for, Charney's has something for every single man, every single style right there in 3150 Erie Boulevard East. In Syracuse, New York, so make sure that you head off to Charney's today and let them know that Dan Tortora sent you their way. So, with that being said, Clay Sherman on the broadcast today, as well as Danny Frasina. Looking forward to having Mike Oresco join us here in just a couple minutes, and uh, and very very excited to have him to come on to the show. So we're looking forward to having him on the broadcast here in just a few. And of course, the ingredients to success proudly brought to you by Utica Pizza Company coming up after that. So plenty coming on the show still today, as we are, I can't even believe it. We started off the show right at the top, you know, nine o'clock. And we start off the show is like 901. And here we are now. It's like boom, an hour and a half, it's gone. And and it's crazy how quickly time flies when you truly are having fun. So with that being said, we got a few minutes to go through some stuff here. I want to take a look at the men's basketball schedule for the Syracuse team. i got a bunch of games coming up here, obviously. They won their two exhibition games. It's the only other two games they played besides winning their four games in Italy. And then they lost their first game of the season to Virginia. Hard to believe it's the first game of the season. Reigning national champion, Virginia came into the Dome and won a football game, 48-34, and neither team shot well. Syracuse is on. They're going to be at home, and and they'll be on for you this November 13th, this Wednesday tomorrow, for those of you that are watching and listening live. So Colgate will be in the Dome this Wednesday, November 13th at 7 p.m., and then they will have the NIT season tip-off, which will start in Syracuse and move to Brooklyn. So Seattle will be in the first part of that On November sixteenth, on Saturday, and then November twentieth, it's outside of the NIT season tip-off. It's a game against Cornell on November twentieth at seven thirty in the Dome, and then back to the NIT season tip-off, Bucknell Saturday, November twenty-third, and then on November twenty-seventh, which is a Wednesday, they'll be at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, where they played in the ACC tournament uh, two of the last three seasons. And so they'll be back there for that, for Oklahoma State. And then they'll play the winner of Ole Miss and Penn State, depending on who wins these two games. And then the Big Ten ACC Challenge will be at the Dome against Iowa. And then Syracuse will be on the road at Georgia Tech and at Georgetown. So their next ACC game is Georgia Tech. And obviously, you got to work these into your normal non-conference schedule. So Syracuse had, and, and, and all the ACC teams had, 18 games in the conference as of last year this year is the first year that they're testing out 20. So so that's why Syracuse had Virginia at the beginning of the season. And that's why they have Georgia Tech at the beginning of December, because they had to fit in two games outside of the games that they already have on the schedule. So Syracuse will be at Georgetown and then they have a home stint with Oakland, North Florida and Niagara before they take on Notre Dame and Virginia Tech at home in conference. So Syracuse is at home for the majority of this thing. So what you're used to, you're going to continue to see with the Orange. They're home on Wednesday, home on Saturday, home next Wednesday, home that following Saturday. So they got Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then they'll be in Brooklyn, and then they'll be back home against Iowa, and then they'll be in Georgia and they'll be in, in, in DC against Georgetown. And then from December eighteenth all the way to January 7th. So from the middle of December all the way through to the new year, we'll see Syracuse at home for five straight games. Oakland, North Florida, Niagara, Notre Dame, and Virginia Tech. And then they'll have three of four on the road. And then they'll have three of they'll have four of five at home. And and eventually the end of the season. So it starts out heavy at home, which is great, but it'll end with Syracuse being on the road for their last three of four games. So they'll be at Pittsburgh on February 26th. North Carolina is their final home game, which is a leap year. So it'll be on February 29th, which means this game does not exist for the next three years. And then they'll be at Boston College and at Miami to round out the regular season. So kind of cool that Syracuse fans are going to get a lot of Syracuse basketball at home all the way through to January 7th. And then, you know, they'll be back home for a bunch and they'll have one more stint before they go on the road for three of four to end the regular season. So just to let you know, and to kind of build some stuff for that, Syracuse has plenty of season left, folks. So for all of you freaking out that the season's over and oh my God, they lost and how could they lose their first game to the defending national champions, God forbid, there's plenty of season to go and playing the reigning national champion with one of the greatest coaches that I've ever had the opportunity of speaking with. That's Tony Bennett of Virginia. If that's your first game, I could see you losing, especially with a team that is trying to find their footing and find their place and everything. So, you know, don't be so hard on Syracuse. It's going to take some time. They will get there. They'll find their way and we'll see what the season looks like. You got a bunch of newbies on the team. What I'm excited about is because this team is so new, we get to really get a feel for them and get to watch them grow, which some people don't like that because people aren't patient. But then there's people like me that really like seeing a team blossom and become something. And we get to see that this year because Beheim, it's atypical of Syracuse having five freshmen in one class and All of them potentially with the opportunity to play and could be playing. So I think it's great. I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's something that I'm going to enjoy watching this team grow. And that might not mean wins. I don't think it's going to be, you know, there's going to be some tumultuous times. That's inevitable. But we'll get to still see this team become what they're going to become. And I like the road there. I'm a person who likes the journey, not just the destination. So for all of you that want to win and win and win, that's all well and good. I like seeing the road to get there as well. So I'm looking forward to it looking forward to what the Syracuse team is going to be putting forward. I do want to get into the college football playoff rankings, and we're going to be doing that with Mike Oresco here. in uh, in just a few minutes because I do want to talk with him uh, about the American Athletic Conference. But currently, right now, there's obviously been some changes in the rankings. There's been uh, a difference that's happened here. Uh, LSU has, they were number one in the AP, but they're now number one in the coaches poll as well. And they're more than likely going to be number one in the college football playoff ranking week two poll, which comes out later tonight. LSU to be all across the board after beating Alabama Alabama has dropped their spots here they dropped two spots in the AP they dropped three in the coaches poll Clemson is back where they're supposed to be in the top four Ohio State is there as well and we now have them on the line so we're going to bring them straight into the broadcast and that is the American Athletic Conference Commissioner perfect timing as we're talking about the rankings so let's bring in Mike Oresco. Mike how are we doing today
0: oh hi dan and i'm sorry i couldn't join you earlier uh, we've got a few things that, that have come up here you know we always have uh you know a lot going on but uh, this time of year uh, it, it gets busy i apologize for not getting on a little sooner with you but uh, thanks for having me appreciate it always great to be with you
1: no, absolutely and uh, happy to have you here and with your busy schedule I'm, I'm absolutely honored that we get to have you once a year, let alone a- as many times as as we do to have you as a mainstay on the program, which I think is uh, it speaks volumes to your character, your humbleness, and to you know this conference really being something interesting and, and intricate and, and just all on its own, something very special. So before we get started with anything, I want to thank you and the conference for being accessible and open to this and having that humbleness and that open door policy because it's what separates you from the rest. And I hope that you know that.
0: Well, thank you, Dan. And and look, we, that's who we are. You know, we're, we're not ever about to get, you know, in any way arrogant or self-satisfied, you know, smug. We've, we've accomplished a lot, but we, we, well, all, I don't, I hope we, no matter how far we go, if we, we become a P6 down the road that we never change our approach because uh, we appreciate the media coverage and it hasn't always been positive. Uh, in your case, it's always been fair and uh, and uh, you know uh, I think also uh, I'm trying to find the right word. you have believed that this conference had a chance. you you gave us credit for what we've done. I still don't think this conference, sometimes gets the credit it deserves for the remarkable job it's done with a fraction of the money that the P5 have. And you saw a great game on, in primetime last week with SMU Memphis, and you saw what, what the Liberty Bowl was like that night, and you saw what this conference has is you know, achieved over the last several years, big wins against teams with far more resources, far more money, far more name, brand, all that. And so I'm just proud of what they've done. And this year, having four teams in the top 25, almost had a fifth one a week ago, and probably would have had uh, Tulsa not sprung an upset that, frankly, hardly seems like an upset since Tulsa's been getting close to beating some of our best teams. They're probably the best 3-7 team in the country. They, uh, they beat Wyoming. They beat San Jose State out there. As, as I recall, those teams have given Boise all they wanted. Easily could have won both those games. And here's, here's Tulsa beating them. In addition, Tulsa gave Oklahoma State all they wanted, led at the half. You know, they're they're a very good team that is just not they've had some struggles in the kicking game, it's cost them some games. But the league is 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 stronger than than it's ever been, but it's not like we haven't achieved anything over six or seven years. This didn't happen by accident. It didn't just uh, emerge. And and you were one of the people originally who who thought we had a chance and, and have been very fair to us and have recognized the achievement. I think sometimes this whole G5 label, Dan, means you get ignored. You know, you just don't get the kind of attention yeah. that, frankly, and when people say we we have we're the best of the G5. Heck, some of our teams are the best. Period. I, I our teams can beat those teams in the P5. They've done it. I, I don't know that Cincinnati and, and Memphis and, and uh, SMU and others couldn't couldn't beat SMU beat TCU in in regulation. Didn't need overtime to do it. You know, and, and and didn't need a 51-yard field goal at the end to beat them. Uh, we've had big wins. We had these big bowl wins. Uh, you know, Ole Miss, Memphis beat Ole Miss, and the score was a lot closer than the game was. Cincinnati beat UCLA, and the score was a lot closer than the game was. And Cincinnati, you know, went out and played Ohio State on the road, which a lot of teams won't do. Uh, so you know, we, we always have challenged ourselves, and that's just where we are. But right now, it's uh, you know, it's 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 dicey because. We're, we've got a monster West division and, and some really good teams in the East, and a lot of these teams are going to play each other. And uh, it's going to be a, a real drama as we go to the end here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As, as we speak here with the Commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, and it is going to go down to the wire, and there's a bunch of, of topics I want to get to. Uh, one of them being the, the, the new AP and the new coaches' poll. They're mirroring each other right now in the nation's top 25 having cincinnati at 17 in both the ap and the coaches poll memphis at 18 in both smu at 20 and navy at 21 just your your thoughts on, on this as, as you know, the American Athletic has gotten two teams into the top 20, into the top 18. SMU is is right there. It's why well, I should say three teams in the top 20 because SMU is there and Navy is knocking on the door. So it's not even the top 25. It's the top 20 for three of these American Athletic teams and then Navy right outside of it. What are your thoughts on that? Seeing, you know, each of these teams that were in the polls last year rising up a little bit more.
0: Well, I think you know it's, it's gratifying to see teams ranked, uh, and UCF would have been ranked probably this week had they not been up, you know, upset by Tulsa. But I still think the ranking should be a little higher. I don't, I don't know why they're, you know, in, in like in the CFP poll. They're seven two-loss teams ahead of our one-loss teams. Um, I, and if that's the case, our two-loss t- champions should absolutely trump any one-loss G5 champion. Absolutely. We're the strongest conference by far. It's not even close. We have a 27-1 record against the the non-power, you know, five. We have a, um, you know, 14-1 record against the G5, you know, 3-0 against the Mountain West. I think it's uh, 4-0 against, I think, the Sunbelt. Uh, those are the conferences that sometimes we un- we get compared to, but we're ahead of the uh, the ACC, Dan, in the latest uh, composite computer polls. Those are the ones that used to be uh, used for the BCS, and you know what they are: Colley, Anderson, Hester, Sagarin, who you know publishes in USA Today. Yeah, yeah we're four zero against the Sun Belt, six zero against Conference USA. We're one and one against the MAC. We had the one loss to Buffalo, but um, as you know, uh, we've been uh, you know very strong this year. Uh, we um, you know. We're 24 points ahead, virtually almost 24 points ahead of the Sun Belt in the computer polls. 17 points ahead of the Mountain West. In addition, we're ahead of the ACC. We're closer to the to the number one ranked team in the computer polls than we are to number seven. You know, we're closer to number one. So, I think that tells you where we are as a conference and how strong we are. I don't know that sometimes that gets you know fully recognized. And and I'm hoping that uh, there is no double standard when when you're looking at us. Because if you're going to put all these two-loss so-called P5 teams ahead of us uh, based on strength of schedule, then you really should put us ahead of any other G5 team, even with two losses down the road. I know I'm being preemptive. Maybe we'll end up with a one-loss champion. But, you know, you never know. We might not. They all, they all play each other. You know, Cincinnati and Memphis may end up playing each other twice. We don't know that. SMU's got to play Navy. Navy's got to go to Notre Dame. You know, uh, we've got to still play teams like Houston and and UCF and Tulane, which are totally capable of, you know how good Tulane is. They can beat anyone in our conference. Yeah. Uh, uh, And that's just it. UCF and Tulane and Temple are very dangerous teams, and they're not ranked. You know, but they can beat anybody that is ranked. And Temple beat Georgia Tech, basically shut them out, gave them a a two-point safety. They beat Maryland when Maryland had just come off the 63-whatever game against Syracuse. You know, when you look at uh, what, you know, what Temple's done, and then you look at UCF, that pounding of, of, of Stanford, barely losing a, a heartbreaker to to Pitt, the game they really should have won. You know, three losses by a combined seven points, you know. yeah, uh, And all to good teams, and, and all three of them on the road, incidentally. All three of those losses on the road. Um, so, th- I mean, that tells you a lot about the conference. And Houston, you know, they talked about, well, is Houston tanking because Derek King is redshirting? And, well, guess what? Houston has not tanked. Houston has been playing very competitively against everybody. They're another dangerous team. Um, you know, you saw what uh, the wide receiver you know, Stevenson can do. He's incredible. They've got a really, really strong team, and they've just played a really rugged schedule. I think, you know, Dana Holgerson pointed out he's never played this many top twenty-five teams in one year, even when he was in the Big Twelve. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, our teams have been have been competitive and will remain so. But this is a gratifying year so far uh, because, yeah, and, and we're doing this with, with UCF not, not dominating the league, but even when you had, UCF had its dominant period of two years, we had really outstanding teams like Memphis, which gave UCF all it wanted in three of the four games they played. And then, you know, obviously we had uh, an outstanding Cincinnati team. We've had outstanding Temple teams. We've had, you know, uh, really competitive uh, Houston teams. And Tulane's gotten stronger every year. If you look around the league, you know, USF had some terrific years with Quentin Flowers. Uh, And so it's always been a very competitive league top to bottom. But this year, I guess we're getting a little more attention in some ways because of the the number of top 25 teams. But, again, those teams face rugged schedules, so I'm not sure where we're going to end up.
1: Oh, and that's the thing you know when we look at this and, and one of the ones that, that I bring up that, that gets confusing to me is is Cincinnati Memphis SMU and Navy are all below Notre Dame and Notre Dame is, is seven and two uh, Cincinnati Memphis SMU and Navy all have one loss Notre Dame has two losses Notre Dame has played three ranked teams this season they've lost to two of them they only defeated one of those ranked teams which was Virginia and in the current polls right now, Virginia is not ranked in the top 25. So their only win over the top 25 is not a top 25 team right now. Their other two plays against the top 25 are losses. And so it begs the question that you and I have spoken about before of, are the rankings for what you're doing right now this year, or are some teams getting ranked based on history. They're typically in the rankings. When they're in it every year, it's hard to take them out. They've always been known. They have a lot of people that are in high place. You know, it it just seems strange that a Notre Dame team that really has nothing to show this year, that's an independent team that can't talk about strength of conference, power five, group of five, power six, because they're not in a conference, yet they're perennially put into these rankings, and they're still above the American. Does that confuse you with a team like, and I'm not trying to witch hunt Notre Dame, but does it confuse you with a team like Notre Dame when you get so much talk about, well, your conference needs to be better and it needs to you know, be tougher so that we can respect it more, but Notre Dame doesn't have a conference?
0: Well, first of all, I would point to those 40, I don't know how many it is right now, but it's over 40 P5 wins over the last several years. How do you account for that? How do you account for how, how, how uh, you know those top? Ten, we have five wins against top ten teams over the last several years. We're the only G5 conference that has. Them. I hate the G5 label, as you know, Dan. Yeah. I don't want to single out Notre Dame, but you, you saw the Michigan game. You saw the score. Right. And uh, they struggled to beat Virginia Tech the other day. You know, they they easily could have lost that game. You know, they they I think you know they played Georgia tough. Uh, you know. Uh, the score at the end probably didn't indicate, you know, that Georgia had taken command for a little while in that game. Uh, you know, I'm not arguing they're not a good team, and, and Navy's got to play them up at South Bend, you know, this weekend. But just like, you know, two years ago when UCF, you know, or last year rather, uh, beat Pitt, what, 45-14, to and Notre Dame beat them 19-14. Yeah. And Mackenzie Milton said, we think we're better, but no one's going to – it's the Notre Dame brand, the Notre Dame name. Uh, but that doesn't mean Notre Dame's not a really good team. It just means that we don't kind of, we don't get the respect. I mean, you know, we played the number one or number two team in the country. Take your pick. I think Ohio State, to my mind, if Chase Young is on the field, is the best balanced team in college football. Right now, I think they're the I think they're the best team. I think LSU is an excellent team. I think that uh, Ohio State, to me, shows the most balance on offense and defense of any team I've seen. They basically pulverized everybody they've played, and um, you know, road or home. And, uh, you know, we go out and play those games, you know, uh, you know, and you're looking at teams like Tulane, which goes to Auburn and gives them all they want and could have won that game with a few breaks. And, uh, the same thing with, as I said, Tulsa and, and UCF, uh, UCF is seven points away from being undefeated again. And, and they're doing it with a young quarterback who unfortunately hit through seven interceptions in the three losses. Well, that's, that's growing pains. You know, Bo Nick, same thing at Auburn same thing with some of the other young quarterbacks. He's going to be an absolute star. He already is, but you know you struggle when you're a true freshman. And you know, uh, you look at that team, and and obviously when when they had Mackenzie Milton, they probably still had, they'd probably be closing in on Oklahoma's winning streak. Uh, but that's not to, you know, denigrate anyone. I mean, the, the young quarterback there has been spectacular, but he's got growing pains. Right. And so they've lost these really really close games. And you know, again, we are. You know, this, this whole P5-G5 thing is branding, and it's a very tough thing for us. Uh, you know, when Baylor and Minnesota jump into the rankings to fight, despite strength of schedule, we don't get that kind of credit sometimes when we do that. You know, Houston certainly didn't in 2015 when they, they beat Vanderbilt 34 nothing. Vanderbilt was giving SEC teams good games and, and lost 9-7 in the Swamp but they were totally destroyed by Houston and Houston beat Louisville on the road that year. Houston was a really, really outstanding team and ended up beating a Florida state by 14 points. And that game wasn't even that close. Uh, and uh, you know, that Florida state was a top 10 team. Didn't did they, I think they were ranked like 18th at one point in the CFP poll, you know, and same thing with UCF, how, how they had to struggle to move up in the poll as good as they were. And that's why, you know, I hate to see, Other teams get ranked higher just by virtue of their branding. But that's life. You know, we have to live with it. We have to keep fighting. We have to win those games. Uh, We're getting better. Our Recruiting is better. Uh, I know the announcers in the big, in in our game, the the primetime game said, you know, our skill players were as good as anyone's. And maybe, you know, we we didn't have quite the defensive and offensive lines. Well, I say we're there. You know, we've got big, strong, powerful offensive and defensive lines in this league. Uh, A lot of quickness. Uh, Really good defensive players, linebackers, defensive backs, we're we're there. Uh, We've proven that. And, um, you know, again, top to bottom, this is the strongest we've been. And, uh, you know, if uh, we continue this trajectory, we continue to recruit well, we continue to use the transfer portal intelligently. We have some things that maybe people didn't appreciate, Dan, and that is our location, you know, two incredibly big, Important Florida schools and a great recruiting area. Same thing with Louisiana, which per capita has some of the, you know, best recruits in the country were Tulane Memphis in that, in that, you know, it's more than a tri state region. It's really four or five state region. Uh, We've got schools in Texas. Kids want to come home and play. When they transfer, we have a really good shot of getting that same thing in Ohio, Pennsylvania. We're we're in football hotbeds. That really really helps us. There's no question about it. Yeah. And uh, you know, and and that was I think maybe it was overlooked a little bit. We've we've had great administration administrations that have hired outstanding coaches, and they continue to do so. And now with the TV money, it's going to go up exponentially. We're going to be able to keep some coaches. We're going to be able to pay coaches more. Yes, there are going to be some coaches that are going to take certain D5 jobs, but certain ones they're not going to take. They're going to stay at our schools. And if if you can do something special at one of our schools, you know I think we've got a chance to keep a coach longer. Dana Holderson loves Houston. I think he's there for the long haul. You know, Mike Norvell, I don't know whether he'll leave. He's, he's in the Arkansas conversation. It doesn't mean he's necessarily interested in that job. He's got a great situation at Memphis. You know, Luke Thickel at Ohio. He's an Ohio kid, you know, through and through, played at Ohio State. You know, we've we've got uh, Willie Fritz, who's done a terrific job at Tulane, and uh, obviously Josh Heupel at UCF. and Others, you know, uh, so we've got the ability, I think, to, to keep coaches. We may lose a few, but we've also had the ability to replace them with really good coaches. Uh, resources are there. You know, the facilities are there now. We've got a lot of nice stadiums. You saw that uh, prime game, the uh, how the Liberty Bowl looked that night. That was spectacular. Game day on Beale Street that kind of enthusiasm probably wasn't there 10 years ago for a lot of these schools. And look at UCF last year on their campus, two great game days in a row primetime games. That's not something we were getting originally. We had the Notre Dame temple game, but that was uh, in part because of Notre Dame, not that temple was, was, was chopped liver. They were undefeated and a really good team. Uh, But still, you know, when you start getting conference games, it shows that your conference has really uh, made strides and, We'll just have to keep at it. I don't, you know, we're never going to be arrogant, and we're never going to be smug, and we certainly can't take anything for granted because we have a lot of headwinds.
1: Absolutely, and and you know, before I let you go, speaking here with Mike Aresco of the American Athletic Conference, the commissioner of the conference here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora this morning on Tuesday, November twelfth there you know to, to look at the situation right now there is the argument at least for me there's an argument that in a year like this year where Clemson you know is, is undefeated and catching their stride at the right time Ohio State like you said a lot of respect for what they're doing in LSU uh, Alabama uh, one of those teams that could lose one or two games and still get considered for the college football playoff it's just how it is. Georgia's there, you know, Minnesota is is trying to knock at that door, Utah's trying to, you know, there's so many teams at this point, and there, there's a point to the season, and still even at this point, if you saw LSU, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida as the college football playoff, and it's all the SEC and nobody else, it still would have been a fantastic finish, and what I'm getting at is, when these quote unquote power five conferences have so many teams that not even every conference gets represented. And really, what it comes down to is it's typically Alabama, another SEC team, Clemson, and then a wild card. Somebody, you know, rotates that spot from year to year. Doesn't it help you, or can it help you, to? In the expansion of the college football playoff, to have that conversation when the SEC saying, "Listen, we got two, three, four teams that should be in this thing," then the Pac-12 is like, "Well, listen, we're not getting represented." The Big 12 is upset they're not getting represented because Baylor's, you know, probably not going to make it in there, even though they're doing what they're doing because they haven't played a ranked team and they only play one this season. Does it help the American Athletic Conference? if the Power Five starts to get upset and say, hey, there's not enough space for us, especially in a year like this year, because if they push the term while you're pushing the term, then don't they inadvertently help you is what I'm getting at.
0: Well, I think any kind, you know, uh, certainly uh, that, you know, um, activism for a a playoff would would help us in the sense that I don't think there's any playoff that would be set up that, that wouldn't include you know at least a top g5 team we'd like it to include us if it if it includes conference champions but we know that's a an uphill battle but i don't think there's any doubt that uh based on you know even the comments of barry alvarez about you know how good ucf was and they deserved a shot those kinds of comments i don't think there's any question in my mind that if that if that thing expands to eight eight teams that one of those teams is going to be the g5 you know top champion or top team however you want to define that and and that would obviously open the door to us for sure at least for the time being um and so any any kind of movement in that direction that's prompted by the the P5 is probably welcome from our standpoint well it is welcome from our standpoint a lot of problems and issues with an 18 playoff and but I do think it's coming i don't know when uh, who knows you know and we're not really talking about it much but the other issue is is the contract bowl game, and to, to us, that's almost more important right now because that would stamp us as a P6 conference. We'd like to get back that rotating slot that the Big East once had. People forget that the Big East did not have a guaranteed bowl game per se, uh, a a a home bowl, a um, you know a a bowl that they were in every year like the Cotton Bowl. Excuse me, the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl has. You know, has designated teams from whether it's the Pac 12, Big 10, you know, Big 12, SEC, and, and ACC. The Big East was a rotating team. They had a guaranteed slot, but it rotated among the Bowl, the New Year's Bowls. And we've got three games sitting there, three so called access bowls, and one of them is a G5 slot. Well, I think of those other five, one of them ought to, ought to be reserved for us down the road. And then we're going to fight tooth and nail to get that because we've earned it. <clears throat> we have earned it. Uh, you see what's happening this year and you see how dicey this whole thing is with with the, the G5. and then you see our conference being as strong as it is and having you know, I, I just challenge anybody to play in our conference. It's not easy. You know, that West Division is just absolutely a monster. I mean you know you look at the the so-called weaker teams in that conference and you don't want to play you know uh, Houston or Tulsa, especially on the road. And you know Tulane is a powerful team. Not to mention, obviously, what Navy's done this year in Memphis, and of course, you know we've we've got uh, SMU now, and they're they're going to stay where they are. There's no question; they're not going backwards. You know, they they've got a young team, recruiting extremely well, got an excellent coach in Sonny, who's pure Texas. So again, it's it's a question of yeah, we'd we'd like to have that more access because I think when we've had it, we've we've performed. You know, it's not like we have not performed. So we'll see. You know, I don't know where it's going to go. Uh, right now, um, things are quiet, and I'm not going to stir it up. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: That yeah, coming from Mike Oresco. Mike, uh, final piece here. I call it the ingredients to success. And we've done that before. It's it's proudly presented here in our community by Utica Pizza Company. But, you know, we look at uh, the ingredients to success for this conference and to see the teams that we've seen, UCF is, you know, if their bad year is 7-3, and three, I think most people would say Syracuse would take that in a heartbeat. So, you know, UCF not having a bad year by any stretch of the imagination, but they're dealing with the fact that they lost their quarterback, then they lost their backup. Then they had to, you know, go out and get somebody and have a transfer come over in the portal and eventually go to a freshman and, and lean on Dylan Gabriel. And like you said, he's having growing pains, but still doing a tremendous job with those growing pains. You have UCF at that point, and they're gonna to go to a bowl game. You have, I believe, seven teams at this point out of twelve that are going to a bowl game that are bowl eligible this season. We know that East Carolina just pushed SMU to the brink. We know Tulsa's record under Philip Montgomery does not adequately show the heart of those kids, the heart of those coaches by any stretch of the imagination, and that their win over UCF could, you know, we could be talking about them beating UCF, SMU, you know, as well as Navy and and Memphis and whatnot. I mean, they played strong against so many teams already this year. So ultimately, SMU's ranked... Navy is ranked Memphis is ranked Cincinnati's ranked the new college football playoff ranking will hopefully move them all up plus you have East Carolina getting better you have Tulsa being a team that's right there you have Tulane being bowl eligible again as Willie Fritz is building this thing in a smaller university and then on top of all of that you have UCF being UCF just not as high as they've been in recent years and who goes 25 and 0 in a stretch especially when you lose a coach So what I'm getting at is, what is the ingredients to success? What would you say to describe this conference? Because your quote-unquote worst teams are pushing your best teams that are ranked in the top 25, and the coaches that keep getting plucked out of this conference are getting replaced by coaches that are finding success. And I think you can look at Temple and see that every two, three years, it's just success upon success, no matter who's there. So what can you say are the ingredients to success for the American athletic? Because no matter what happens to this conference, it doesn't die. It doesn't go away. And if UCF's your bell cow, then why are there four other teams ranked in the top 25?
0: Well, I think in terms of ingredients, uh, Dan, it's it's obvious that there has to be a commitment and, and, and a determination on the part of the schools themselves. You know, you, it's it's one thing, you know, having a vision or having goals without a commitment is sort of meaningless. You know, it, 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 all it is is a, a strategic plan that doesn't mean anything. You know, you have to put the resources behind it, and our schools are doing that. And they're using those resources intelligently because they don't have some of the things that the P5 have. But, you know, in the end, as my old high school football coach would say, football is blocking and tackling. And if you get the right kids and and you coach them up, uh, I don't care whether you have ten thousand dollar lockers or whether you have TVs in all the lockers or whether you have waterfalls in your locker room or whether you have Doric columns on your stadium or whether you have all these things. It comes down to you know those eleven kids on each side of the ball playing against each other and having the heart and 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 obviously you have to have the ability. But we we you can find you know players, student athletes who can do that and we've done that, you know, we've, we've recruited intelligently. As I said, the, uh, the main ingredient is to have that commitment. The second thing is obviously we, uh, we're a really good league and that feeds on itself, you know, a success breeds success, competition breeds competition. We've got a really good league and we're in, in the right places geographically. I pointed that out earlier. It's one of the secrets to our success. Now it turns out the transfer portal, which we thought could have been a problem has turned into an opportunity, you know, with kids wanting to come back home. And we've seen that over the years. Marlon Mack came from UCLA back to, to South Florida where he was originally from and and, and turned out to be a great player. We've got, you know, if you looked at the SMU, if you watch the SMU, Memphis game the announcers uh, alluded a lot to transfers that we had you know who started at Oklahoma State for example who may have started at West Virginia who started at uh, LSU or maybe was an, were LSU recruits but ultimately were passed over and ended up being great players and you know we have a lot of those kinds of players and you uh, that's another source of our, our strength uh in addition i think the ability to uh, to hire and and retain at least for long enough to build programs good good coaches you know we've identified and uh, and hired good coaches and we've become a magnet for good coaches dan that's a key thing because we had early success Coaches, even if they had P5 ambitions, looked at our league as, as a tremendous place to be and to develop, you know, their their skills. And so we have benefited by coaches, even though they may have been determined to get eventually to the P5. We we benefited from coaches like Matt Rule and Justin Puente and others, you know, and, and Scott Frost. Uh, those those coaches did a great job and they left their programs in better shape. You know, we knew Matt Rule was a great coach, and nothing he's done at Baylor is any surprise. Same thing with. You know, obviously some of the other coaches, Justin Flente did a good job, has done a good job at Virginia Tech. I think you got to give Scott Frost a little more time. He'll eventually get it done at, at Nebraska. So in any event, those are, I think, the, the key ingredients. And, and, and the last thing is the grit and determination of, of our kids, the kind of kids we get, the kind of players we get, the the pride they take in, in playing uh, for the American and winning the championship. Um, you know, we get a lot of that, you know, G5 stuff, and, and, uh, you know, it's hard sometimes because, you know, we know what we've done. We know we can play on the biggest stage, and that's where we play. And uh, uh, as Danny White sometimes said, you know, the, the college football playoff often feels like an invitational because it's really tough for one of our teams to crack through, even when they're undefeated or they only have one loss. We have to accept that, but it doesn't mean in accepting it, it doesn't mean we're not fighting it, you know. It it just means that we're determined to to change it. And if anyone thinks that the world stays static and never changes, well, they're wrong. The world does change. And I think in college football, there's a new world out there. It dawned a while ago. You can be more competitive. There's incredible social media. There's incredible exposure. Uh, The final ingredient is our TV deal that gives us the kind of exposure that has when our teams succeed, create, help create a narrative. You know, we created the P6 narrative. I think that's been another ingredient to our success. I probably have a few other things I could mention, but I don't keep you on all day. But the point is, this is – these are all the things that have gone into the success of the league. That doesn't mean it, it isn't fragile sometimes. You know, we've got to be careful. We've got to continue to play at the highest level. We've got to continue to recruit. We've got to continue to be smart because, remember – those P5 guys have all the resources, all the money, and none of them are going away. So we're going to have to be even better at, to maintain what, what we have and, and to improve on it. But um, we, the tools and the, um, and the resources, if you use them wisely, are there. It's just, uh, really up to us.
1: That yeah, coming from Mike Oresco, it's all there and all there for the taking. The American Athletic Conference with a fantastic opportunity for you to watch it, especially, you know, if you if you never have, and if you have, you know what it's all about. If you haven't, you know that the east side of it's usually UCF. Cincinnati's in the commander seat right now. Temple is fighting as well. And in the West, more than likely it's gonna go down to the end with SMU Navy and Memphis all vying for the opportunity to be in the championship game in the West Division. So, you know, Mike as always. I can't thank you enough. There's so many doors that we open in every conversation, which only connects it to the next one. So, Until next time, thank you for being a part of the broadcast, and thank you for what you're doing with the American, and thank you for some, you know, I know that you can't take credit for this, but, you know, I thank the coaches for it and spoke with them this week. This has been a tremendous season, and so many teams have stepped up, and I I think with UCF being bowl-bound, and at the same time, the story being all of these other one-loss teams really does a great job for your conference and putting it out there but it just goes to show that it's going to be an exciting finish and there's been some pretty awesome games. And I think the best ones are ahead of us.
0: Well, thank you, Dan. I, I don't think there's any question. As I said, our teams have to run a gauntlet, uh, that sec West, those teams have to run a gauntlet. As you know, uh, it's not an easy situation and there's some other divisions in college football that are pretty rugged. Um, but our, our West is really good. And we've got, you know, three, you know uh, obviously teams with winning records that are really good in the east as well as a couple that are really on the move as you know they're getting better uh and you know when when usf beats byu byu as you know beat boise and 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 uh, just uh, absolutely pulverized uh utah state recently but you know usf beat them and you, you can't say usf is among you know our elite teams but but they're competitive and that just shows the depth of the conference but thanks for having me dan uh Appreciate it. Always do. Uh, appreciate you know your obvious knowledge of our league and, and uh, you know the questions are always uh, worth uh, worth answering. They're always good questions. So uh, thanks again and uh, again. Uh, enjoy the next few weeks. Should be great. And have a good Thanksgiving. If I don't talk to you,
1: absolutely. You as well. And and I hope that I uh, hope a lot of teams get to eat this Thanksgiving for the American Athletic. I look forward to talking with you. Thank you, Dan. Take, Take care. care.